0: Everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire. Uh, it's our Friday ref segment again, our most favorite, favorite, well, at least out of three of us, let's put it that way, the favorite segment of the whole. Um, and, um, you know, just partly due to because I've got two fantastic co-hosts with me. They always talk about anything, economics. Uh, commodities, investments, whatever you can think of. Which um, actually, come to think of it, Jens. Uh, I don't think uh, any other. I, I haven't heard anything like uh, in terms of what we discuss in any of the other podcasts in Australia. We might be a first on that. What do you guys reckon? I'll take that one. <laughs> I know you always do, Jazz, and that's why I want to be different. Well, I want to be different, right? And uh, you know, I think I think having John joining us definitely makes a uh, uh, makes it a, a lot more. Um, how do you say? You added, you added a lot of flavors to it, John. Uh, that's for sure. You know, it's, uh, it, we, we made it. We made it two dimensional before you made it three dimensional so, or multi-dimensional. Maybe put it that way. So, anyway, but it's good. Uh, welcome back to another uh, another segment today. Now, um, it's an. It, I think it's another interesting week because uh, uh, this this game just keeps fascinating us. We discussed uh, a few weeks back. I think that was one of the episodes that John and I did, guys, unfortunately, out there. We talked about um, there's been there's been hints that the RBA is telling banks that they may go negative in terms of the cash rate uh, and be prepared for a negative interest rate environment. Um, and I think this week there's been another news article uh, published on news.com.au again, um, kind of bringing that up. So... We thought today's discussion would be good to revolve around how does a negative interest rate impact the property market? Which, you know, like I mean, before we jump on, I mean, my head was spinning because I think who who would afford, who would afford an actual negative interest rate could have actually happened. Now, doesn't necessarily that it will happen, but let's just assume for a second for today's agenda. That it has happened, it's a negative interest rate environment today. How would that impact the property market? And just from my very blunt knowledge, so just set the scene, for example, we all know how mortgages work today, right? So, you know, you um, you you lend the money from from you borrow the money from the bank, bank lends you the money, they charge you the interest, you keep repaying that, et cetera, et cetera. And then you go until you pay down the loan. That's how it works. That's a positive interest rate. But if you go negative, it's actually the other way around. So I was trying to work it out. Does that mean, does that mean that you borrow the money from the bank and if you do nothing, the banks will actually pay it off for you. That'll be a very interesting concept. I don't know, gents. What do you guys think?
1: Feels like when you talk stuff like this, it feels like we're almost at the end of a financial era to some extent. be careful what you
0: wish for jazz that doesn't
1: mean that we are but just when you start talking about negative rates which means you are flipping the system on its head right so or ending the system yeah or ending the system right um so let's take a step back currently when we park our money in the bank right it's a ioU to the bank so basically bank owes you that money and because you have given them the money you've lent them the money they pay you interest for that whatever that interest rate is, 1%, 2%, depending on, right? Currently under 1%. So if we were to head down the path of negative interest rates, that basically means if you were to park your money in the bank, if the rates are negative, now you will be paying bank the money to keep your money secure so you're now paying for the service essentially so in the past banks used to use that money to lend it further into the markets right but now it will be essentially you are using our services so it's, it's almost be, banks are be, almost becoming more of a services industry
0: that's kind of like you get penalized when you actually try to put money into your savings account
1: so, the, so this is where it gets very interesting, right? So does that mean, so we haven't even jumped into property yet, so right, or the mortgages, but does that mean that saving money in the current financial system or the current uh, banking system is basically kind of a punishment for the people who are trying to make some savings to secure their future or buy the property. Because think about it, right? Um, I'm if, if if a first home buyer wants to buy a house, they need to save money, right? And saving money means basically putting in the bank, earn a little bit of interest, and over six, 12 months, whatever that period is, you accumulate a little bit of interest, which is negligible, right, at the current interest rates. But on top of that, uh, but, but, but with the new system. Of if the rates were to go negative, you'll be punished for that. Which means, in my opinion, that basically means is that it's going to be even more bullish for the asset classes. Um, We know parts of Europe are already negative. We know um, New Zealand is preparing for the negative interest rates. They have mentioned that in the last few weeks or months. And we've seen the articles come out in Australia and this recent one that we are discussing. This is just my early thought. I'll let you guys kick into gear. John,
2: God, I feel like a mosquito in a nudist colony. You're like, where do I start? Uh, you know, this is this is this is <laughs> this is a big one. So, you're you're right. Like, so moving away from a free market system means you just you, you move away from rational decision making. And now the reason to your point, like, why would they punish savers? The reason they punish savers is because we measure our economy the Keynesian way. We measure our economy with total spending. So if you wanna make your economy look big, you have to ramp up spending. Now the free market way is you accumulate capital, you encourage saving, saving leads to investment, and investment leads to productivity, productivity leads to more consumption down the line. But the, 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 the non-free market way is get everyone to spend now because we're measuring aggregates. But that's not where I wanted to start. Uh, you know the weird thing is how, how does this st- we've been talking about negative interest rates for a little while now right so it's been leaking out slowly slowly and it's sort of occurred to me that this is how insane policies take a hold right so these these fringe ideas like uh, negative interest rates or modern monetary theory they start on the on the fringes and they get mentioned by journalists or by politicians or something like that and and, and they're They're insane policies, right? but but or like a deficit of one hundred and fifty percent of G, uh, GDP or so. these insane ideas start on the fringes and work their their way in to like regular discourse so that uh, sensible people like Spark your Fire end up talking about them every week. so <laughs> So, but modern monetary theory is the other, the other thing that's just as insane. It's like debt in perpetuity perpetuity with no maturity. I mean, this is insane. Um, all right. So I don't want to go over too much old ground in terms of negative, uh, how they do negative interest rates, because I still think that there's a debate over whether or not it'll be negative nominal interest rates or negative real interest rates. If they get inflation high enough, they won't really need to go negative in a nominal sense. and And part of that is because it takes a lot of uh, intellectual and mathematical gymnastics to get to negative nominal interest rates, That they might not have to do it. They can just get inflation high enough so that the real interest rate, which is nominal rates minus inflation is negative anyway. So they might not have to do it at the moment. We have negative real interest rates, which is why the property market's on fire. Um, But what it, what it, what the interest rate is the most important price in the economy. And we've t- we've undermined that signal. That's all the price is. It's a signal. For 50 years, since the 70s, we've t- totally turned it on its head. And we're kind of at the end game of that. Um, what it does to decision-making is it makes, if you screw up prices, you make decision-making irrational. But the interest rate is particularly important because the interest rate is coordinating decisions over time do i save now do i do i spend now do i spend in the future they call it your intertemporal preferences but that all it means is like how do i time my decisions am i going to buy the house now or am i going to buy the house in two years time um and the interest rate f's up your ability to make that calculation um <laughs> uh, david with his finger over the mute button so what the interest rate is is it's your time preferences and the, if you if you push interest rates down, it brings every decision into the present. You, you're going to be consuming and investing today, right? And there's, that's where FOMO comes from. FOMO is not a human condition. It's it's bad policy. Um, uh, then um, it also makes everything present tense oriented. I'll give you a story. I used to, I went to Greece when I was like in my twenties during university. Got f- some family over there, and anyone who's been to so, like a country like Greece, maybe India is the same, maybe China is the same. I remember always we used to go back to university and we used to say, oh, man, those Greeks, they, 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 uh, they work to live, not like us. We, we live to work. And the reason is is because Greece never had a free market system, and so planning was just a completely pointless exercise. The Greeks lived for the present. And we used to think in my 20s, we used to think this was this admirable quality that the the Greeks never planned, but they, they didn't plan because it was a completely futile exercise. So -hmm. the Greeks were really present oriented and the Westerners were really future oriented. My point is that um, we're going to bankrupt ourselves with low interest rates because it's going to bring all the spending decisions into the present. And, uh it, it, it's 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 a really, really bad idea. It's based on just measuring total spending rather than economic um prosperity. And uh I, I just can't see it changing until we bankrupt ourselves really. God geez, I went around the block to get to that one. Back <laughs> to you in the studio guys.
1: I really think the when 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 we look at the interest rates and all this talk about by various uh regulators or countries mentioning slowly and slowly about negative interest rates that we sh- banks should start preparing. What does that mean at a very high level kind of thing? I really honestly think the canary in the coal mine when you read about interest rates or the negative interest rates is the parallel world, which we have discussed in the uh, past as well, uh, which is cryptocurrencies. I think that is really becoming the canary in the coal mine over here. Uh, Essentially it's, banking world is becoming, so um, I'll give an analogy. I'm not sure if it's the best analogy or not, and I'm thinking out loud over here, but banking world is almost becoming like the, in the past, the taxi industry, right? So where that is becoming so obsolete and is being replaced by a new system, which doesn't require uh, bank to hold your funds basically you are your own bank in a way and uh, in the taxi industry that was uber in the in the in the financial world it feels like uh that cryptocurrencies hold the answers to that or the blockchain essentially where you hold your own funds in your own wallets uh, you are responsible for your own keys and uh, banks just becomes more of a services industry than, than the lending industry, I think, where they've got a certain set of qualified tasks that are required, I think. Uh, just thinking out loud over here.
0: And, and I think, yeah, as you said, it's it's just going to change fundamentally how this financial services system works. You know, the current finance system um, you know, our, the baby boomers' generations has been promoting savings at that point in time. Um, you know, obviously, got a good, uh, you know, save up, pay off your debt. Uh, that that was the that was probably the baby boomers' kind of generation. When we get to this level of generation, our our generation or the next one is going to get so used to seeing debt, they're going to like we're just going to live with it. Um, and if interest rate does go negative, um, coming back to my I guess my original point. If, if that does to happen, and if people wanting to save up for home, how would they do that, right? There's no point in terms of putting money in the bank anymore to a deposit account. Well, we wouldn't call it deposit account anymore, right? Because it's not really depositing. I mean, you put the money in, the bank's actually not going to give you any interest. They are going to actually take money away from you every month. So logically thinking, they would be putting money somewhere else. Like you said, Jazz, they might be putting into shares, they might be putting into crypto, or anything that would actually conserve the value of their currency, if they still use currency at that point in time, of course, but assume for a sec that they still do, um, and currency is still the main exchange in terms of properties and all that, the money will the currency will then logically flow to wherever that can actually save their value. Um, so that can continue to increase. And I think just an interesting thought that pops out because I think crypto does have this wall of thingy, if I'm not mistaken, right? And and because crypto is such a free free market. Um, if you put money into crypto, it actually earns some sort of interest up to six or seven percent. So you actually that was like the new world's savings account, if I could put it that way. Correct. Totally right.
1: Yeah, and just to add one thing to your point, I think the banks just become facilitators of transactions,
0: mm-hmm. like
1: third party service. Whereas in the past, they were actually more a financial system where you park your money. Yeah. We do. X, Y, Z things with your money kind of thing. But now in the future, it becomes more of a facilitator. And it kind of also relates to something that we did discuss last week where we were talking about the central bank coins or the Fed coin or the RBA coin, whatever it is, right? It sort of ties back into that as well to some extent. Uh, if there is a central CBDC currency, central bank digital currencies, right? So um, then the, whole, the the purpose of the banks is really kind of defeated to some extent because then it's a central digital currency which is directly yeah. uh, held in your wallet and one central party has got a control of it, right? So I think banks uh, will be the dinosaurs in this case. Um, it's just fascinating talking about this. <laughs> the, the more I'm thinking, the more it it's, uh, yeah, it's, we are just flipping the system on its head, uh, essentially, that's what we are doing. But what
0: about okay? So 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 we spoke about the deposit side of thing. Let's say i am 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 a I'm a first time buyer looking to purchase a property. I put my money into crypto so I can continue to basically uh, keep keep my twenty percent deposit there. I still need to be able to borrow a mortgage from a bank in that in that instance or somewhere. It might not be a bank at that point in time, right? Because you think think about that. The other eighty percent that I'm trying to lend from a bank, if it's a negative interest rate, like we mentioned before. You can literally put it in there and the money will keep reducing. In other words, banks are going to be paying you to get the mortgage.
1: So how will that work? So this is where where it becomes uh, fascinating, right? So because it's a very new, this is all speculation by the way. Yeah, of course. Right. So just like cryptocurrencies, I think there will be a new and a new saving system that is being built on blockchain, essentially. Mm -hmm. I think there will be a new lending market as well, which will be against these digital assets, right? Uh, And your money that you secure for your mortgage and all that stuff, to some extent, uh, will use these digital, digital assets as security. And you will borrow the money from this new lending market which will be based on these crypto assets uh, and like I said before the banking world will more become just a, a services industry in my opinion so
2: yeah I, I, th- I think the I think that rates won't go n- negative nominally until we have a digital currency because essentially you've got currency that's like a ticking not bomb but it's it's, it's, um, a very, it's very time-sensitive money. It's uh, losing value every day, but in a really obvious way. I mean, our money loses value now, but we, it's harder to perceive it. If it's negative, if the negative interest rates, you'll watch it losing value, and that might not be palatable. Um, what, what, you know, going back to the original question, what will this do to real estate prices or asset prices in general? Um, negative interest rates is the hurdle rate between when you're making money or not making money. So if the interest rate is 1%, you're making money at one and a half percent yield, right? And so what it does is low, artificially low interest rates and the negative interest rates in particular, make everything, every project look profitable. So what it does in your economy is it green lights everything it gives everything a green light. Do you want to buy that property? Absolutely. How, you, can't make, you can't lose money on it. You want to start that business? You can't lose money on it. You want to build that farm? You know, everything gets green lit and the economy overheats. So um, w- what will happen is, so if you've got a situation when interest rates are negative, that makes everything attractive except cash in the bank. So the gold price with a yield, yield of zero is still better than a yield of negative 1%, right? Crypto with a yield of zero, well, I mean, I know you can lend it, but let's say crypto with a yield of zero is still better than living in the bank at negative 1%. So suddenly all these assets with no yield uh, have a yield in real terms. Um, land with no house on it has a yield when interest rates are zero. It's crazy. But, it, but what I'm saying is the hurdle becomes nothing. Like if you think of the interest rate as the hurdle, the hurdle is just like a, a like a, a line on a tennis court. Mm-hmm. Any every everything gets green lit. Everything passes the hurdle. Yeah, everything's that, profitable.
1: That that's interesting. Actually, even gold in that case or digital currencies, whatever it is, they to some extent are positive yielding. It's a it's a it's a it's a positive carry because uh, your money in the bank is earning nothing. You're losing plus the inflation on top yeah. of that. Uh, which makes it really dangerous game to some extent.
2: But that, that's yeah. what's happening now. Like It's actually no different than what's happening now. It's just that not everyone can see it. Right now, we've got negative real interest rates. And so real estate is really, really profitable. Um, and we can all see it and we can't quite articulate it to ourselves. But until real estate is going to keep going up until the yield on the average property is 1.9% or whatever the interest rate is. So that means... Int- property still needs so what, what's the what's the um average yield on a property now in let's say sydney 33 melbourne three percent maybe yeah it.
0: be less than that i reckon <coughs> that.
2: So let's melbourne say,
0: melbourne's already around three percent sydney might be sub free, i reckon
2: yeah but then there's a mix of like units and stuff like that so yeah, yeah let's yeah. say and then there's out, out of ring suburbs and in the ring suburbs but let's say the average house in sydney yields three percent which is nothing but the interest rate is 2%. So that means property prices are going to keep going up until the yield gets down to 2%. So what does that tell us? It means property prices still have to move up probably another 30%. Then the central bank has to decide if they want to go lower because the property prices can't go up after that.
0: Mm. All right. Well, some very deep discussions there, gents. I think uh, um, certainly uh, certainly a fascinating to be hypothesizing and I guess um, you know try to try to figure out what the future looks like. Um, See,
1: I guess, I, I, sorry, sorry, David. See, the yeah. thing, I, the reason I think it becomes so fascinating when we three of us start discussing about it is, is because we in general, uh, between three of us, love talking about different asset classes. Like John is passionate about commodities. You are passionate about finance with the mortgages and all that stuff, and the property. Obviously, all three of us are property, and then uh, me knows. Crypto a little bit more than you guys, right? So, but when you start adding those things up, whether it's the commodities or the property market and the current financial system, it just starts to marry up. It gives you a picture of it's it's not it's a very it's a vague picture at the moment, but it gives you a picture. Uh, it paints a picture of what the future is going to be like, right? Uh, nobody knows exactly when that future will arrive. Nobody knows exactly what the future is going to be, but it's starting to paint the picture of, you know, what if the rates were to go negative, if the yields on the property were to drop 1%, um, what does the, why all of these, all of a sudden these cryptocurrencies in 10 years have cropped up and a lot of talk about being your own bank kind of thing. All of that stuff is adding up. It's just, we're trying to connect the dots over here essentially. So we can invest smartly. It's
0: a big, it's the, a big market to draw the dots. That's for sure. So, <laughs> Sorry, John.
2: No, I was just going to say, I think that's why this podcast has been able to see around the corner because, um, you know, in, into, you know, forecasting is a bit of a silly try, thing to try to do. But this, this podcast has been better at it than most because we do try to marry up all the different parts of the economy rather than just being a property podcast or just a gold pro- podcast or a just a crypto podcast if you can look at them all you can sort of see how they play off each other
1: yeah it's a, it's a we, we're looking at the macro asset classes and seeing how all those are connecting to each other basically uh, and incomes comes is the current financial system obviously with uh, the low to no interest rates which in the past if you think about everything central bank the role of the central banks in the past has been to play with the interest rates right when to when to push the lever up and when to push the lever down, right? That has been the role of the central banks for the last 20, 30 years, whatever the time frame is, right? But when there's no such thing left as interest rate in the current financial system, then um, then the role changes, right? Uh, and especially for the intermediate, in- intermediate banks, right? So this is where the things start to get really interesting, I think. And that's why we are seeing a lot of these articles lately talking about, uh, whether it's APRA or RB, RBZ, Reserve Bank of New Zealand, or whether it's part of parts of the Europe, even US talking about uh, preparing banks for negative interest rates. What does, bank in, what does negative interest rates mean in general for property markets? All that stuff.
0: Nah, good stuff. Yeah, no, totally. I think um, uh, that's, that's, the, that's definitely, I think, <laughs> we probably don't want to dig too deep, but I think that's probably enough just to give our listeners a bit of taste of what the potential future looks like, based on I guess reasonable assumptions and marrying up all the information that we have to date. Um, so it does look a bit scary, but fascinating at the same time, right? It's it could be a complete financial services system overhaul in that in that degree, and um, yeah, it's it's a, a,
1: it's a revolution, not an evolution. Revolution.
0: <laughs> I like it, mate. I like it. That's the right word. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, so what's been happening around, what's been cooking around commodities and crypto? I think that was the other exciting part, what's been It's been happening this week. Jazz, you want to start with the crypto, which is the...
1: So the crypto, biggest... I think the biggest piece of news in the crypto market for, let's forget the prices and all. I mean, price is going to do what it's going to do. So there's no point of talking about prices. But I think the breaking news in the crypto market has really been uh, China has expanded their trial of, Uh, central bank digital currencies, whatever they call it, the digital yuan, uh, by making it available now immediately at 428 stations, that's train stations essentially, uh, across its 24 lines. So they're really ramping up their uh, trial of the digital currency, uh, Mm -hmm. which they have been doing it over the last few months, to be the first in the game and try and uh, beat US at its game of being the reserve currency, I think. So I think I, I, that that to me was the biggest piece of news. Other than that, I think uh, what we are seeing in the market is just normal uh, scalping maybe, or range trading between that range of 30 to 50K. Um, but it's looking from everything, um, if you, if you were to look at it as a chartist, it looks like that uh, BDC Bitcoin has found its macro low. It's a bit early to say, like but it looks like Bitcoin has found its macro low, wherever that was at 28, 29, 30,000.
0: Um, so question Jas, so, so China has obviously released their digital yen and I want to be the first player in this market. Who do you think is going to be the next one who's going to speed up on this, on digital currency?
1: See, I, I, it's a good question, but I don't think in this game it matters who's second. Okay. I think this in this game, what matters is who's first. What matters is who is going to launch it first and do it in the right way uh, to challenge US as its reserve currency to some extent. So the second is, second or the last is the same in this game, in my opinion. Yeah okay, but if but what if I was to make a guess it would be some Asian country?
2: Yeah, the thing with the, whether China has a digital or a paper currency, doesn't change the fact that no no one wants it. I mean, even when um you, you know even when China trades with Russia, they don't want yuan and China doesn't want rubles. I mean, there's still still um the, the, the international currency stage is very, very interesting, but it's highly political. I don't really, I think it's curious and it's interesting that China will go for the digital currency, but it it, it won't be a decentralized platform. It'll be a mechanism for greater control um, and all those sorts of things. And I don't think any anyone internationally is going to want to hold digital yuan.
1: So that's a very fair point. Just changing from paper to digital doesn't really make that much difference. But we don't know what the finest details of the digital currency, whether it's being backed by something or how they intend to use it in future. So Mm. once those details come out, uh, it will become a bit more apparent and clear. Uh, But being able to provide digital currency, uh, a digital currency and being the first that any other country So if you think about countries like Zimbabwe, Venezuela and other parts of Africa, right? To them, it still matters if they can find a currency that's more stable than their currency, right? So uh, for for them having something that's digital where the banking system barely exists, I think uh, China takes a leap.
2: Well, I think interestingly, if we tie this into to the uh, commodity and the precious metals space, so last Friday when we uh, last recorded our, our podcast certainly came out after that was, uh, so last Friday plus last Monday, there were two back-to-back smackdowns in the precious metals markets, uh, gold and silver in particular. So um, what it says to me is is what precious metals guys like myself don't want to admit, but it's obviously true, is that um, Bitcoin has stolen the thunder from uh, from the precious metals markets and that they are, in fact, alternatives. Uh, now, they should be complementary, but, but at the moment, they're not. The, the people who like uh, crypto y- used to or would have liked precious metals 10 years ago. And so it's just pulling the buyers away. Uh, so precious metals got a smackdown simultaneously. Um, Bitcoin and the, the cryptocurrency market is up. So they are, they're pulling the same currency away from each other and they're, they're competing for investors. Um, it's disappointing for me, actually, because I, I've always looked at um, the gold and the silver chart as forming a perfect cup and handle, which we've said. So um, it's finished the cup. It's about to, to finish the handle, after which it's the most bullish pattern out there. It should become... Uh, it should go go to the – well, not to the moon, but it, it should go for a bull run for a couple of years after this. Now, the handle is supposed to complete in about October, so I suppose it's still on track, but but it was a big setback. Uh, it's a big setback, and it's right now where you could see that cup and handle formation fall apart, and gold and silver just continue to bumble along. Breaks my heart, but, um, you know, <laughs> <I've> got- <laughs>
1: I think, one oh, of the reason, I think one of the main reasons that the commodities got hammered, especially precious metals being gold and silver over here, is the U.S. job numbers. Uh, if you look at the unemployment numbers in the U.S., uh, the numbers have been looking really positive. And I think that's changed, obviously. That makes uh, investors go risk on and risk off, risk off partly. Uh, uh, and I think that that's uh, being uh, part of the story as well. However, that doesn't mean uh, that the trend is over. It's still in an uptrend. So I don't think there's anything to worry about in the short to medium term. Yeah, it's just a It's That's temp. a
2: good point about the jobs number. The job number was big, it beat expectations. And But then there was a switch from out of precious metals into, into crypto. So crypto is clearly a, a risk on... Um, a risk on market and precious metals are clearly risk off even Mm. though they're both alternatives to to national currencies.
1: Yeah. Uh, I I think the other main reason for cryptos taking a leg up uh, in the last two or three weeks has been uh, uh, one of the big influencers which is Elon Musk coming out and talking about how uh, he's very positive about the crypto space and how he holds some of the crypto assets has obviously Helped, helped helped a lot along with uh, all the negative fud disappearing over the last few weeks or months now, so all of that has added up. But I I agree with you, John. Overall, that they complement each other. They don't. Uh, they they're not competing. Uh, they they're complimenting. It's just that uh, the crypto guys like to take a give a punch to precious metal people and and the other way around, I think. Anything else? I
2: think people, have been, <laughs> I think people have been right so far, which uh, is, is adding injury to insults, so.
0: <laughs> it's a silent punch, put it out exactly.
1: It's fascinating the world that we're living in with what's happening in the financial landscape overall and trying to connect the dots and understand the overall architect of the current system. Uh, but from the investor's perspective, not a lot has changed. This is just so uh, the main point of discussing all this was so investors can uh, uh, plan their journey for the next few years, I think. Um, But like always, none of this is financial advice. A lot lot of this is speculation, especially when John talks, (laughs) joking on that part. (laughs) Uh, Don't don't over-leverage. Play safe, stay safe, and we will see you guys next Friday. John Joseph David.